Hello everybody, happy Wednesday! Welcome back to Aces Up The Sleeve. I'm Patty, co-hosting with the co-managing partner of Pocket Aces Racing, or PAR for the quick reference, Jared Shoemaker. And today we are joined by another special guest, one of our trainers, Steve Margolis. He is here. We are going to sit down. We are going to hear how he got started in the industry. We're going to pick his pick his brain a little bit and have, you know, maybe talk about some of our runners that are heading towards, uh, heading his way, heading for his barn. Uh, but before we get to that, Jared, Steve, how are we doing today? Oh, oh good. How are you doing today, Patty? Hi, Jared. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Finer than frog hair, as usual. It's been a, it's been a hectic <laughs> but uh, dreary uh, day. Uh, we got the, all five of Scarlet's sisters and numerous uh, nieces are en route uh, here. Um, so uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend. So it's been a flurry oh, of activity around here today. So you're greatly outnumbered. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we've been uh, we've been cleaning furiously. I had a um, had to run out to Cynthiana to do a little work on a house I'm dealing with out there, and uh, you know, just uh, all kinds of fun stuff. So it's been a good busy day. So I, we're we're kind of scrambling here at the last minute to get this uh, recording on time. <laughs> What's happening down in Louisiana, Steve? How's things at the fair in uh, New Orleans? Oh, no, everything's good. You know, I've been here two weeks. The horses have been here. Almost two weeks too, and uh, yeah, we're getting settled in. We got a, a we got our first win yesterday, uh, so that was good for Buff Bradley and his partner uh, Eric uh, of Dare to Dream. So that was exciting. First time starter, little silly named Scoop, and uh, yeah, we uh, we've got a second and a win so far. And you know, uh, had some weird weather. Like, I'm sorry. That's that's a great start. Yeah, no, no, we've uh, you know we're a little light on. Numbers this meet, but uh, yeah, we've got a win in a second, so we're uh, we're definitely uh, you know happy about that. And uh, I love uh, I love that Buff got a win. Uh, Buff's such, Buff's such a he's just such one of the great guys in racing. Yeah, yeah, you know he bred this filly, and he trained the stallion to visit Darrow, who okay. you know, was a really nice multiple multiple stakes winner. So it was uh, it was it was it was good uh, it was good that we got this filly to win. And I, and I tell you what, Steve, I think that just on a completely different note, I think that's a hell of a feather in your cap that a, a trainer uh, of the success that Buff had when he was uh, still training, uh, he sent this horse to you. So uh, I think that just speaks a lot to the respect that uh, you know, good horsemen have for you. And, and uh, you know, we're happy. To, we're happy. We got a couple. Well, I got one horse with you right now. We got one horse that will be coming back and hopefully we'll be getting some more to you here in the not too distant future. So. No, that sounds good. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, no, no, we're we're looking forward to this meet, and you know we got four months pretty much left, and uh, you know uh, we got Oathbreaker down here for you all, and he's uh, he's had one workout on the track so far, and you know we'll keep moving forward, and uh, so far so good. Yeah, you know it seemed like you know, but when he was with you last time, he just wasn't quite ready to be there, probably physically for sure, and and mentally the same thing. You know, are you seeing him? Is he going about his business any more professionally, any more focused than he was last time? Or yeah, he still yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, and you know, like you said, he he came in as a, you know as a young two year old colt, and you know he was doing well for a while, and he just got a little some couple baby things and. I think when you all, when we took him back to the farm and, you know, just let him unwind and then castrated him, I, I think that really helped too, of course, uh, just kind of got him a little more focused. And then, uh, you know, after you all, you know, rehabbed him and trained him and sent him back to me, everything was real positive with him, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think it just really he he really stood out to me over those last probably two weeks that he was at uh, Silver Springs, where he just all of a sudden looked like a different horse. Is that something you see very often? That just like all of a sudden you know, when you hear trainers talk about it all the time, you know, the light came on for him. Talk a little bit about that. How how, how what's you know what what um, what do you see that makes you realize okay he's starting to get it? Well, you know, I mean, like every horse is a different case, but especially like a you know big big strong colt he came in he was you know just kind of getting adapted to everything at, at, at trackside where we were stable this summer and uh you know every horse kind of takes it you know takes their lessons different and uh with this guy i think you know he had a couple little things biting him and you know, the fact that he was a colt he was just getting a little little agitated so i think you know we did best for him by turning him out and mm-hmm. giving him the time to grow up mentally and physically let his you know kind of legs develop and let him just kind of catch up to, uh, you know, everything after he was broke and trained originally. Um, but no, no, I definitely see a, a horse that's more focused and, you know, we'll be, you know, training with another horse or so, you know, to do workouts and, uh, you know, just to keep him, you know, occupied and just keep his, his mind. And, but yeah, no, I've been pleased with him and, you know, we've had him, uh, you know, down here and so far so good. Yeah, it, it's he, he was kind of that one of those curious cases where you know nobody had any expectations that he was going to be early. He's by broken vow and he's a he's a good sized colt and and uh but he just he never had any setbacks. He he had done everything he could do at the farm and we needed to get him to the track, even though it was really early and we had you know, we really again we had no expectations that he was gonna be uh, be an early type, but I I you know I guess it, it kind of gets him that experience early on at the track. So that he's is not uh, needing quite as long of an adjustment, maybe this time now that he's back. Yeah, and especially being here, we're going to be here for almost four more months. So hopefully everything stays on course. And like you said, we'll be here. We'll get the train here and school in the gate. And you know, hopefully everything just kind of stays real positive, where we just kind of you know work them accordingly, and you know, just kind of put them in a you know like a training regimen of working them, and as long as he's popping out of the works good and. We've uh, taken him back to the gate a couple times just to kind of remind him because I had done some gate work with him previously when I had him. And, you know, he, you know, he adapted well. He went right in the gate and galloped out well. And so, yeah, I think, I think overall everything, you know, second time around and, you know, definitely, you know, it was a positive thing for him. And uh, especially being here for a few more months, we're going to be able to get some good, good training in with him. All right, that, uh, that that's that's what we like to hear. So there is, we actually got a little bit left in him. He's part of that special uh, dispersal. Uh, so uh, you check him out. I think he's going to be, you know, for the for the money, uh, he's he's definitely worth uh, worth taking a shot at. So um, so let's get yeah. into talking a little more about Steve. Your your background, uh, you know, um, I believe you're from New York. Is that right, New York? Yeah, I'm from New York. I didn't I, I didn't I didn't grow up with any kind of racing background. Per se, I kind of grew up in Manhattan and w- went to school on Long Island. And, you know, I lived in Manhattan early on. Then I, we moved to Long Island when I was a teenager. Uh, and, uh, you know, I never really even <laughs> knew about horse racing, but it was funny. I, I, I worked one summer just as a summer job at, at Mama's Park, you know, just okay. as kind of, you know, something to do and kind of knew someone and, uh, and uh, just kind of thought it was, you know, kind of a novelty, you know, something interesting to do. Uh, after high school, I just I didn't know if I really had the college thing on my mind, so I just kind of went over to Belmont and 
just kind of looked for a job and, uh, you know, just thought it was kind of intriguing and uh, went to work for John Veach in okay, um, wow. 85. Yeah. Yep. 85 at Belmont. So, uh, you know, that was quite a while ago. And uh, he, he of course trained some really good horses, but yeah, I just kind of started there as a hot walker and, you know, did that for a little while and then groomed kind of went on to work for a couple different people. Uh, Howie Tesher, Pat Byrne, Van Huff. So I kind of, you know, paid my dues. I worked and, mm-hmm. you know, learned and worked for different people. And then in 96, I went through a divorce. Just kind of oddly, I was in New York and then I am going to Florida for the winter and uh, just kind of wanted to change. Never been to Kentucky. So I, uh, I got a job with Stan Huff in the spring of 97, uh, coming to uh, Keeneland and then on to Churchill for the, for the meet because I was divorced and I just kind of wanted a fresh start to see how things mm-hmm. were in Kentucky. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's where I kind of really started everything uh, seriously was in Kentucky in the spring of 97. So when, when did you go out on your own? Well, I started in, the, I started in 2000. Okay. I worked for Stan for a few years. And then I started in uh, I started in 2000 with a few horses at Turfway, and uh, no, it went fine. You know, we won a couple up at Turfway, and that was when it was the old dirt track, of course. And uh, right. yeah, just kind of you know kind of snowballed and trained for uh, a, a couple local folks that aren't in the game no more, uh, Country Roberts, and uh, you know, he gave me my first start, which I was grateful. And uh, Stan Huff kind of helped me get started with him, and uh, yeah, just kind of you know. So I've been in. Kentucky now for, you know, 27 years, pretty much. Yeah. And then, so how long have you been going down to the fairgrounds for the winter? You, you, oh, okay. When did, you, so, decide, yeah, when did you decide that Turfway, the winters at Turfway were not what you wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, you know, of course you start out, you always kind of, you know, you, you don't want to jump too, you know, so I, I started at Turfway, stayed there for a couple winters, and then we actually went to Florida for a couple winters also. Went to Palm Meadows one winter, then went to Gulfstream one winter, and then, um, I was training quite a few horses for Richard Klein and his family at the time, Burton Elaine, and uh, they had called me up and asked me if, you know, they were going to potentially give me some horses. And uh, so we came back and then, you know, they suggested maybe trying New Orleans instead of Florida. And uh, no, that was uh, the winter of 2007. So yeah, that was our first winter coming down here and it's worked out really well. I mean, we, you know, it's like our second home now. We we don't own a home here, but, you know, I've been here for 17 winters. I feel like I'm uh, a big part of the culture now. And so, yeah, so you got to stay in that same place pretty much every time, right? Well, I mean, we, I mean, I, I don't have a, a house that we bought down here, but we, we right. have a home in Louisville, but we just, we, we, we've rented in different various areas in New Orleans. Oh, okay. It's a very cool city and you know, we've, we, we've had some friends that have had some properties that we've rented. And anyway, we, we, we found different parts of the city to live in different times. And so it's been really good kind of to get to explore different parts of New Orleans and see, you know, all the different various other parts and all the different things. Yeah. I love New Orleans. I think it's one of the greatest cities in the country. No, so much culture and music and food. And, you know, it's kind of a fun city to come down, you know, in the winter time, it's not, balmy like it's warm in florida but it's 50s 60s and you know you said a little bit of a break from the extreme cold and have a good meal and you know our daughter lives here now amy so 
that's exciting. She's been here for eight years. Uh, so we get to okay. see her for four months and her boyfriend and her uh, fiance, Shane. So no, it's, it's good. We, uh, you know, we've met some lifelong friends here and over the course of the 17 years, we've, you know, we've had some good relationships with some friends and some owners that I've trained for. So it's, yeah, it's really worked out well. Okay. So, um, you know, you've been, you've been at this for quite a while now and thinking of, you know, horses that, 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 uh, ran in your name, not when you were working for some of the other folks, but just talk about some of the highlights of, of your career and, and some of the big, the big horses that you remember and, uh, you know, just, uh, the, the, the ones that, um, yeah, um, that you still think about sure. to this day. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, we won the Breeders' Cup in, in 2003 with a horse named Cajun Beat. Uh, that I actually, luckily, I never started with the horse, but I got him from a, another trainer that had come up to Louisville, and he he had a little string here from Florida, Cam Gambolotti, who actually won the Derby, I think, in 85. But anyway, he had this horse, and he took him took him up to Churchill to try to run him in the stake, and he ran no good. And the father and son, Joe and John Ira, came to own half of them, uh, decided they would leave him with me for the summer and see how things worked out. And uh, no, it was crazy. We got the horse and he had run bad and we found a little allowance. He ran second and then we took him to Calder for a stake. And then he, you know, he just kind of kept improving. And um, we won a stake with him at Turfway back in the September meet. You know, they, they don't have that meet anymore. And then it was funny, Mr. Sanan, who owned the other half of them, he was, you know, he had some pretty serious horses with Lucas and Baffert back in the day. Anyway, he, he had said to me, I was joking, because we wanted to kind of maybe be a little more conservative. And he's like, no, Steve, I, I think if we're, if this horse is doing well, I want to take a shot in the Breeders' Cup, because he was a three-year-old. But at the time, even before he won, there were some other three-year-olds that had won it. You know, and even though you had to run against the older horses, it was still a thing that he kind of wanted to pursue if, if the horse was doing well. So... Sure enough, we, we took a shot. We went out there, and uh, the horse ran unbelievable, and he, and he won. Uh, one of the fastest ones, 107 and 4. Um, so, yeah, he, he's probably one of the, you know, I mean, you know, him winning the Breeders' Cup was a great, you know, as a young trainer only, you know, doing it for three years to win a Breeders' Cup was great. You know, that uh, that's just, that's remarkable, and, and, and it's just um... – just goes to show too that you know just sometimes it's just a just a little change of scenery or just a little maturity you know they just need to grow up a little bit and come into themselves and and they can go from a horse that's been okay but you know not great and all of a sudden to being a uh, you know breeders cup champion it's it's amazing how that uh, how that can shake out sometimes yeah yeah he was a special horse and then there was another good filly named wine princess who was a ghost zapper out of Azari that I had from the start and she, she was a little difficult. She, she was real high bearded, had a, you know, real strong pedigree, you know, by two champions. And, uh, you know, sometimes that doesn't always work out, but she, you know, we took our time with her and we wound up winning a grade three, a grade two, and then placed in a grade one. And, uh, so she, you know, to, to win a grade two with a, you know, a horse that I had from the start. And, uh, I, <laughs> It's funny, the, the filly got really good, and she'd win the Fall City at Churchill, which was just a, like a week ago, I guess, at Churchill. But, and uh, the owners decided to sell her and retire her as a broodmare. But I, I said to him, oh, man, I, I wish we would have kept her going as a five-year-old because she was just 
sound and just doing as good as the horse could do. But, you know, there was a lot at stake with breeding and, you know, the money she was worth. So they, uh, they, they decided they, uh, you know, they just decided to breed her. Uh, but, uh, you know, had, uh, had some other good horses. Country Day for the Klein family. I won some stakes with him, uh, all different surfaces. And then he ran second in the, um, and then the Breeders' Cup turf sprint one year at Churchill. I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago. I don't know, it was a while ago, maybe. Uh, and they had uh, 2012, 13. But, you know, we, we've had some, you know, some solid horses over the years. And kind of last few years, it's been a little a little quieter. But, uh, you know, fortunate to be able to do this for a long time and make a living at it. So it's really uh, grateful to the owners and people that have helped me along the way. So uh, you had actually, Steve, you trained Pocket Aces Racing's first stakes winner, Kaminari. Oh, oh yes, sir. yes, sir. We had Kaminari that won the, the stake at Delta. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, went and, off uh, at the big odds and just she won it like yeah. I mean, just won it easy. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, I remember going there, and then I think we won another stake the next day for Mister Lowe with uh, Agent Denoza. It was it was a good weekend. <laughs> a good, yep. uh, Absolutely, a couple stakes. But, yeah. And then, uh, and then, you know, I know, um, I'm sure um, many of our partners recall very fondly 19th Street that you that we had with you. She she did uh, quite well for a homebred by Alan uh, Burkhardt. Oh yeah, and... that yeah, that Philly. I tell you what, I I remember telling Mark a couple of years ago because I was always asking because I know he bred her, and, you know, and she's had some foals, but she was just a cool horse. I mean, you know, sometimes people say, oh, my favorite horse is steak horse, but that Philly. Had so much personality and, and such a great attitude, and you know we won. I don't know, maybe five or six races with her, whatever it was. But you know she always showed up, and she was a, you know, just a solid horse that always always gave it her all. You know, always proud of her every time we let her over there. Yeah, she she ran her eyeball, eyeballs out every time she stepped out on the track, and um, and um, I remember when um because Alan had planned on putting her through the sale and Mark's like, you know, proud citizens gone cold as ice. Alan, if you stick her through the sale, she's, you're going to just give her away. So I'd much rather yeah. race her with you. And so that's how, you know, cause that was, that was definitely the plan with her. And uh, I'm very glad that he listened to Mark and, and didn't sell. Yeah, so. no, no. I mean, some, you know, sometimes these horses and, you know, I know some, you know, as a breeder, you sell, you keep some, but, no, no, she was, uh, you know, she was a solid horse and ran a lot and, you know, always laid it on the line and, and, and tried. That's, that's all you can ask. Absolutely. So you've been doing this, you've been in the game since about 1986, you said. So yeah, yeah. if you think back, look back to, you know, the, the, your, you know, the first part of your career when you were working uh, for other trainers and then look back, you know, to even when you started in the early 2000s, um, how have things changed over the years? Some for the good, some some for the you know some for the better, some for the worse. You know what? Just kind yeah. of what's, what are some of the major differences you see between you know, other than Heisa? Because we know that's all new and it's kind of changing. Yeah. Just what 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 are the changes? No, no, are you yeah. Well, it's funny. First of all, you, you know, and it, it's funny. I, I just turned sixty, so I'm, I guess I'm, I'm getting older too. But it's funny. Like when I, I remember just working for John Beach you know, in, in, you know, 85 in Belmont and, you know, the horses that he had, he, he was fortunate to train for these the Darby Dan farm. It was a private job before that he had Calumet, which I wasn't around then. That was before my time, but um, now it, it, it's funny. The pedigrees that he had on those horses are just, 
eliminated from like, you know, like a Roberto line and Groustark. And it's funny, every horse that he had pretty much was a two-turn route horse, grass or dirt. But I think that was a big thing is that a lot of those pedigrees, of course, you know, with those horses, you know, dying and the stallions dying. And then I think back then, of course, the two-year-old sales weren't, I don't even know if they were in 85, but prevalent back then, but, uh, or up and running, but, you know, it changed a lot. You know, a lot of people, you know, breed for the speed and, you know, the two-year-old, you know, the sales are a big thing now with these two-year-old auctions, having a lot of them scouted, which they didn't seem to have as many back then. Uh, you know, there was a lot more foals back then. I think the foal crop was kind of quieted down and just, you know, maybe from people's financial standpoints. But um, no, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, small things too. I think a lot of it too for the change, you know, the medication rules have changed, I think, for the better. And, you know, there's a lot, you know, the, you know, I think the horse is protected a lot more now. And as, as far as, you know, all the vet checks and the scrutiny that these vets do, you know, sometimes they go a little overboard, like on Breeders' Cup two days. I mean, there was a lot of good horses that were scratched from big time trainers, uh, uh, Aiden O'Brien and people that brought prominent horses from Europe. And I, I guess, you know, some talk about a lot of them were scratched. They didn't like how they were going, but no, it's, you know, it's hard. I mean, you know, these vets now are under, everyone's kind of under the micro, uh, under the gun to kind of make sure that everything's right with these horses before they race. And of course, you know, they, you know, they're thousand pound horses running on toothpick legs or, you know, things are going to happen, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, there's so many good trainers that do nothing but take good good care of their horses and want to do right by them. And, uh, you know, like you said, now with Hissa and stuff like that, it's I think everything's starting to settle down, but there's a lot of stuff that still probably has to be worked out. But, um, no, I think, uh, you know, the, the horses are, you know, you just have to train them as an individual and kind of do right by them. And hopefully the folks that own them will always do right by them when they tell them they need a break or anything like, I think throughout time, I mean, horses have always, you know, things are going to happen along the way. If you're mindful and you have people that, people that own them and train them care about them hopefully you can do right and and have a horse that'll have a good career you know so it's yeah that's the key to everything i think in this in this sport is just patience i mean we've talked about it ad nauseum you know and we try to you know press that with all of our people and our partners is because believe me i know that it can get man it can get tough when you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and you're still waiting and you're still waiting but man uh, nothing helps a horse out quite like time, I think. No, I mean, it's the same that Dr. Green, like when a horse, sometimes even a horse doesn't have a leg problem. I mean, they're a little sour, a little, you know, there's some training or running too much or not, you know, overrunning, but just in general, horses, just like people, you need a break and, you know, you turn them out in the farm for 60 days and it's amazing. Uh, even if they don't have problems, they come back with a fresh mind and a will to do it. And then you hope they stay healthy and, you know, they have the desire, but I think if you do right by them and give them the time when they need it, you know, sometimes you have to give them time when they, of course, come up with issues, but you hope that it works out and, and, and people have the patience, like you said, to so that the horse can potentially have a, a good career to race and, and have fun and make some money. So speaking of money, man, the purses in Kentucky – in, in New York, but especially Kentucky, Churchill and Kentucky Downs, even Turfway Park, the purses have gone nuts. 
I mean, it, on, on from my perspective and, and what Mark and I talk about pretty regularly is, holy crap, it's made winning races in Kentucky hard. <laughs> what, what, are, what are you, what are, how are you feeling about the... the no, I mean, no, and, and, and like me, like, of course, I've, I've had a lot of wins in Kentucky over the years, one stakes that pretty much all the tracks, but you know, we don't have as many as we used to have right now, but no, it's, it's the, the product is so much better, uh, especially when you're in the maiden special weight and the allowance, and of course the stakes company has always been tough, but no, I mean, the, the level of competition with the big outfits, you know, even, you know, like Brad Cox and Nash Reasons and those guys, but, you know, even the trainer you guys have under Walsh. I mean, no, I mean, the quality of the horses and the outfits that have come from California and New York with the Chad Browns and Pletcher having a presence in Kentucky year round. And no, I mean, it, it's good for the game, but it's also, you know, it's, it's tough to win those kind of races you know, when you're competing against the Godolphins, the Judmonts, and, you know, $800,000 yearlings that, or two-year-olds that, you know, people are buying. So it's, there's a fine line. I mean, you want to compete for the money, but, you know, you've got to be tied on at the, uh, at the top of the level to, to be able to compete with those kind of horses also. Yeah, and I think it even trickles down into the claiming ranks because the, the purses have gotten so big that, that you know, I think that, Horses that would might have been running in, in allowance races, you know, owners are taking shots and running them for thirty thousand. If they get claimed, so be it. As long as they can get that purse, then they've, yeah. they've made a pretty good yeah. lick. You know, that, man, that makes it tough at, at every level. No, no, exactly. But but I think as a as a trainer, especially being in Kentucky for the last you know twenty five, twenty six years, just kind of watching, seeing how the the, the escalate to this the prominence of purses and competition, but. No, I mean, but at the claiming levels, you still have a little more flexibility with the maiden claimers and the claimers. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, when you're running in the high 80 claims to the six, I mean, those are tough. But, you know, like you said, a maiden 30 runs for 50, 60,000. I mean, that's that's a huge purse. And you can you can be a little more aggressive as an owner or, you know, with, with the right horse. As long as it's not a filly, maybe that has pedigree. But, you know, you, there, there are owners and trainers that, yeah, that, that will get a little more aggressive to put them in 50 or 30 or, you know, depending on what the horse is doing sure. to, you know, to, you know, of course to compete for a, a huge purse and Kentucky now with Turfway and like you mentioned Ellis, they own Ellis, Turfway, Churchill and, you know, Kentucky Downs, you know, for their meet, it's just an unbelievable program as far as, you know, competing for, you know, good Kentucky bred purse funds. Yeah, it's 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 remarkable, and uh, it's come. I mean, come a long way since uh, the main thirties at Turfway were running for eleven thousand dollars. So it's um, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's a good no, problem no. to have, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it is, and and Turfway, that's right. For years, I mean, even you know, until Churchill really bought it, they, you know, they, they their purses really didn't get elevated until the, the last couple of years. But now they have their, of course, synthetic track in, and 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 uh, they have the machines, and they're you know making a lot of money off those. But no, it's. It's good. It's you know it's a long time coming, and of course it brought a little more competition, and of course you get a lot of uh, you know field size is good because you have a lot of places where people are stabled between the different training centers of Keeneland and Indiana and you know, High Point and all these different facilities. To, so Kentucky's got a lot of places to draw horses from to be able to get good field size and and uh, and you know have big purses of course. Yeah. So 
We've talked a little bit about changes uh, that that you've seen. And put put on your imagination hat for a minute, and 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 imagine that you are you are king for a day in thoroughbred horse racing. You 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 are calling all the shots. What's yeah. one big change that you would make, just to, in your mind, could improve the game a great deal? Oh yeah, that's a kind of a tough one. But no, this I mean. You know, you just want to, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know what the word is, but, there, you know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, still, I don't know, I guess trying to get something regulated over, but even, I don't know, this history thing, but I, I don't know, I think things have kind of quieted down a little bit, but there's, uh, you just hope, you know, for the good of the, you know, this industry supports so many people in so many ways from the farms to the, the breeders and that just everyone along the way and, you know, you'd like to, for it to continue, and you know, I think it's, I think it's going the right way. I, I think they, they still have some things to work out, but I, I don't know if there's just one thing you could say. It, you hope, uh, you know, that you know, people are there's always still people that are going to kind of push the envelope of you know, as far as you know, doing wrong. And I, I don't know if um, I think in anything with sports or betting, you know, there's always going to be, you know, some people that always try to you know push the limit, but. Uh, as far as a change, I, I don't know. I can't really put my finger on a, something that I would really do. I guess, you know, you just hope that, uh, and I think, you know, like, again, but the history thing is kind of all kind of sorting itself out. But then a guy like Rapoli says he wants to kind of have another version of it. But I don't know. I think, yeah, I think people like Rapoli. I mean, he's great for the game. You got to take into effect people like him when they talk because he is, he supports the game at such a big level and, you know, with the sales and competing in all the big races, but no, there's, I don't know, just, you just hope kind of, uh, you know, the public up, right? too can, what's that? Just, you just kind of, you just figure out, figure out the right way to clean up the game. The right way to do it, and then you hope the public, I mean, I know there's been a lot of scrutiny, but you know, the public has to know that, you know, these trainers and owners back here, we're, we're, you know, and there's always going to be a few people, whatever, but for the most part, people are doing great with these horses. They, caretaking and the love and the time and all, all the effort that they're giving to just making these horses happy and healthy and competing at the, at, you know, at the, at the time when they're ready to run. And, but I, I think also too, you know, this, you know, you have to be mindful for the horse and treat them as an individual. But uh, I think, you know, for the most part, you know, I mean, you could ask a lot of trainers, they're probably on board with me just trying to just do right by the horse and hopefully, uh, you know, keep things going. So it so it sounds to me like you kind of, if you were king for the day, you would help the public better understand that there are, that most of the sport are honest, hardworking people who love their animals. I think that's kind yeah. of what we yeah. got from that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, people. I mean, there's always you know, in any business, there's always going to be some people that you know, whatever. But I think you know, there's, there's so many good people, hardworking, whether. They have claiming horses. They're good horses. I mean, people want to do right by the horses. They want them to compete. They want them to stay healthy to to try to have longer careers and not have to be retired. And you know, of course, things happen. So you have to sometimes retire them for different reasons. But uh, no, I think there's you know, it's uh, like I said, it's a big industry. It supports a lot of people across the board with farmers and you know, everyone's involved. So it's uh, like I said, I've made a great living at it for years and. I'm excited to kind of, you know, hang in for a while and uh, see what the future brings, you know. 
Well, you are you are one hundred percent correct about this industry supporting a lot of people because I just sat down uh, the last couple of days and wrote checks and wrote them for to so many different people. I've, my, I had a stack of envelopes six inches tall of of bills that were <laughs> that were going out, uh, paying just so many people and and supporting so many people and you know I think the grooms the you know the guys selling yeah. hay the blacksmiths the I mean just the list goes on and on and on and on. So uh, you're right. It, 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 it serves a, a, just a huge number of people. And I think, and I think, you know, between you and Patty, you hit it spot on. We don't do nearly a good enough job of highlighting all the good in, in the industry. All of yeah. the media attention is on the bad, uh, you know, bad, bad news gets clicks, I guess is the thing. If it bleeds, uh, it leads. Yeah. That's right. And, and we yeah. just, we, we, we haven't figured out the right messaging uh, to, to showcase people like you and the folks in your barn who are, who are doing this right, who love their horses and, and are, and, and are, you know, creating jobs, creating opportunities and for, you know, tons of people and, and just, uh, we've got to do a better job of, of promoting ourselves we haven't figured out the right message yet as an industry we got to figure that out yeah i tell you i tell you what's good is when on these big days like keeneland and i think they did it at breeders cup that day you know they recognize the groom the you know the the best turned out horse i think that's yep. important to do that not that they can do that at every track every day but it's good that these grooms that work behind the scenes that no one knows their names and you know that get recognition like at keeneland or at delmar or wherever the breeders cups they're at and they, you know, when when a horse looks good, and they, you know, present something to the groom in the in the winner's circle as a as a thank you for a good job. I think that means a lot because, you know, a lot of the, you know, the people behind the scenes don't get get the recognition. Like, you know, and it's hard to you know, recognize everyone. But uh, so I mean, you need the grooms, you need the riders, the foremen, the assistants, and everyone to kind of to you know to keep it going. Just like any business, you can't have a business without good employees and good staff and people caring. And if, for, for anybody that listens to this, that hasn't spent, spent time around the barn, you have no idea how hard those grooms work. It is yeah. hard, yeah. long, thankless work. And uh, we, we always try to take care of um, when we stop in for visits, but man, it's, um, it is tough, tough work. And they, they do not get enough recognition. You are completely, I, I completely agree. And, and those best turned out days, they're, they're fantastic because you can just see the pride that the, that the grooms that win that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the money's great for them too, because they need it, but it's great when they, you know, they, you know, their friends, they get, you know, their families and, you know, see how everything that they've done is paid off. So it's, you know, it's a good, uh, it's a good feeling for everyone. Everyone wants recognition. I mean, you, you know, you work hard and you, you do right. And, you know, it's nice to be thanked and, you know, have, have someone tell you that you did a good job and, and that, that goes a long way with anyone in any business. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we're about to wrap up, but I did mention earlier, you know, that you won our, you were, you trained our, our first stakes winner in Kaminar. You also trained the horse that won for us at the longest odds ever. You remember this one? Oh Yeah. 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 Uh, moon, launch. Uh, moon launch. Yeah. Yeah. No, I he was that, like, yeah. I know he was like, I think it was, it ended up at like 110 to one or something like that. It was nuts. Yeah. Something crazy. Yeah. No, no. He, uh, you know, it's funny. I guess we'd run him a couple of times. I, 
get, then we put him on the turf and, uh, you know, Miguel had wrote him, God rest his soul. He, you know, he passed away a couple of years ago, Miguel Mena, but no, he, it was funny. He, he just went to the lead and kind of battled and, and, uh, you know, won that big great, you know, won that maiden race on that big day. And you know, that, that was funny. All my, all my friends rizzed me about it, gave me all this, you know, <laughs> cold water me. And <laughs> I wish I was smart enough to bet, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's great. So, well, Steve, yeah. thank you so much for uh, taking some time with us on this uh, uh, recording on a Friday, late Friday afternoon. And uh, tell, tell Sue we appreciate uh, appreciate her you know, you know, letting you join us for a few minutes. And uh, we really appreciate yeah. all your, your insights and thoughts. And uh, and uh, I don't I don't know if I'll get down to the fairgrounds this year, but I sure would like to. And if I do, we'll uh, we'll go out and grab dinner or something. No, that sounds good. I, I know Mark had mentioned to me a while back that he, he had brought the family down, I think, a few couple months ago for a vacation. He he loves it here, too, and he stayed at that Monte Leone because I told him that was a cool hotel to stay in down there. But, uh, no, I mean, if you can't come to New Orleans and, you know, and have a good time, then it's, you know, it's, it's such a cool city and, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, definitely memorable, you know? Uh, just and just oh, the food is just fantastic. I, yeah. I, I I just love going down Bourbon Street and just all the different music and I mean, yeah, the people I, watching and all the Jackson Square and all the cool. No, no, it is. It's uh, it's kind of like a cool. Uh, it's just a, a good time and you know we're, we're here to work in it, which is a, kind of a bonus. We get to kind of work and like you know, so uh, we get to be here for the better part of uh, all the good times with the Mardi Gras season and everything else, you know. I swear I feel like there's a festival every other day in southern Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right about that. I got a, I got a, uh, I got a, a, a George Vecina that the Obama guy. You know, he's a big caterer here, and he. Oh yeah. You know, he's like, oh, I got this festival, I got that festival, I got this, and, and there's always, like you said, always a party, always a festival, and always uh, something, uh, something going on here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Steve, again, thank you very much, and uh, Patty, uh, please uh, take us home. Yes. And Echo, thanks again, Steve, for coming on. Thank you to everybody who tunes oh, you're welcome, in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you thanks to everybody who tunes in this week and every week. We see your listening. We see your support. We appreciate you guys. Make sure that you're subscribed to our Spotify and our Apple podcast. Leave us some commentary. Leave us a review over there. We also have plenty of open source um, alternatives if you don't want to play with the big boys make sure that you are subscribed and that you hit the bell on the youtube channel make sure that you're getting all of those notifications it's under the syndicate name pocket aces racing it's the same thing for all of our social medias and just so we don't you know start running long on our goodbyes we'll be back next week so as i remind everybody have a happy wednesday have a good wednesday make good choices and the podcast is out 